What if I told you there's a way you could be a second shooter at a family session so you can see exactly how the photographer prepares, how they interact with their clients, what they say when they're posing, or when they choose to use fluid motion, what they do when kids might not cooperate or dad might not be in the session. What if I told you there's a way you can see what the gear is that they're using, where they're positioning themselves when they're shooting, what factors they're taking into consideration when they're shooting, what if I told you there was a way you could see what their straight out of camera images look like, and then you could see their editing process too, so you know exactly how they get those start to finish images and those polished ones you see in your Instagram feed. Now what if I told you you could be that second shooter without ever having to leave your house? What if I told you that not only do you get to watch it from home, but you didn't have to remember every single thing you were trying to learn the first time you watched it? What if you could watch and rewatch as much as you wanted? How would that improve your images, your posing, your confidence? Now, what if I told you there is a way you could be a second shooter, not only for one photographer, but 26. That's exactly what you'll experience inside the 2024 online family retreat. Your inspiration will soar, your art will improve, your posing will become more fluid, and your confidence is going to increase so, so much. And honestly, your clients are going to feel so much more comfortable. Head on over to themilkyway.ca slash family retreat. It all gets underway May 29th, and we hope to see you there. We just have to go back to our responsibility as birth photographers, which is to tell the client's story however that unfolds and they're going to be so thankful even with the change of plans that they have these photos maybe even more so because it helps them process everything that happened and so we have a really important job to show up as emotionally unattached as we can so that we can do a great job for our clients welcome to the art and soul show where we dive into heart opening chats on photography business, life, and that messy in-between. I'm your host, Lisa DeJeso, a mom, a photographer, and entrepreneur, and I'll be sharing honest conversations and advice for photographers with insight on mindset, entrepreneurship, and creativity. The goal of this podcast is for you to be able to gain insights and strategies that will get you real results. Because let's face it, having a photography business can be lonely, but it doesn't have to be. This is the place you can go when you need a boost of encouragement, a kick in the pants, and inspiration to pick up your camera. This is the Art and Soul Show. Hello, my lovely friends. Welcome back to the show. So today I'm hanging out with Tavia Redburn. She is an incredible photographer and educator that I first discovered on TikTok of all places. We were both part of a social media marketing Facebook group, and I was so excited to find a new friend in my industry. She's a photographer, photography educator, and with the beauty in birth. She trains birth photographers to be the best in the industry with her certification and marketing programs. And she's the host of the From Better Half to Boss Photography podcast. And she's now also teaching for us for the Milky Way 2022 online newborn retreat on birth photography. I was a guest recently on her podcast and knew I had to bring her on the show and share her with you. So without further ado, here's Tavia. Hi, Lisa. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and chat with you about all things birth photography. So tell us who you are and what you're passionate about. Oh, okay. What I'm passionate about. I love that. So my name is Tavia Redburn. I'm a birth and newborn photographer in Oklahoma City. And I became a birth photographer in 2000. 11 
when I hired a birth photographer who didn't show up for my son's birth. And I decided that I wanted to be someone reliable that my community could count on. So I photographed my very first birth in January 2012 and haven't looked back since. We started a certification for birth photographers to just sort of level up the industry in 2019 was when we very first started doing that. So now we help hundreds of photographers all over the world learn birth photography and how to get certified as a birth photographer. I love that. So when you first got started with photography, did you know like birth photography was like your niche? That's where you wanted to just be? Or did you like start with all of the things too? I totally started with all of the things. I just kind of dabbled in everything just to see what I was passionate about. And when I photographed my very first birth, I was just hooked. I was like, how can I do this again? It was just like a no brainer. It became instantly like, this is what I know I want to do. I love that. That was like me and newborns, like posed newborn photography. Like I, that was my jam from day one. And even though I was horrible at it, I just loved it so much. (laughs) So I totally, I totally get following your heart. So let's talk a little bit about scheduling and childcare and birth photography, because I think for many photographers, even considering adding it into their roster, um, it can feel a little bit daunting and overwhelming. So how do you handle it and what advice do you have on that? Yeah, for being on call, it can definitely feel overwhelming. I think that communication is key with all parties involved. So just over communicating that you're not sure what's going to happen. You don't really have, you don't know when the baby's going to be born, right? And so I think that over communicating with your clients to say, hey, please let me know when you think labor is starting. Please keep me updated on what your doctor or midwife is saying about when you might go into labor. You're communicating that over the top with your on-call child care and people in your life who might take care of your kids when you get called to a birth. And so it can feel a little chaotic in the beginning because you're like, I'm on call from 37 weeks until 40, you know, that's so long. But the reality is it's a short period of time where it's actually kind of go time. A lot of that in between is just communicating with the client, communicating with your childcare, like, hey, I just heard from her. She said that she might, you know, labor might be starting up. And so you touch base with your childcare in that way and just keep everybody in the loop. So just over communication is key and getting a detailed birth history Mm -hmm. from your client if they have one to know what their previous labors were like. How many weeks were you when you went into labor? How did your labor start? How long did you push? All kinds of things like that. So that when they go into labor, you have that to reference back to. And you can say, okay, so they're 38 weeks. They told me last time they were 38 weeks. Last time they their labor started with their water breaking, she just told me her water broke. Like you can start to see mm-hmm. similarities. And so understanding birth is really important when yeah. it comes to the on-call side of things. Yeah. And probably even understanding the stages of birth and like and being aware of how things can either progress really fast or also progress really slow. Absolutely. And I think that being aware of birth physiology in that if mom goes past a certain due date, is the doctor going to try to do something? Like if they go past 40 weeks, are they going to induce? Or if she's been in labor for a certain period of time, are they going to start looking at C-section? And some of that stuff is just experience with different Mm -hmm. providers and different hospitals and understanding like what the family's birth plans are. So you know, like they really want to avoid induction. So they're probably not going to do that or they're planning on getting induced. And all of that just comes from conversation Mm -hmm. before birth. Yeah. And I think even circun- like I've had so many clients that have had an emergency C-section and like what happens in that scenario? Does the birth photographer get to come in? Are they no longer in the birth 
and able to photograph it. So what what happens in that certain area for in your area and what advice do you have on that? Yeah, good question. So before COVID, I knew certain hospitals would allow me into the OR and certain hospitals wouldn't. And so I think that just becoming familiar with the places that people are giving birth in your area, becoming familiar with the providers, involving yourself in the birth community so that you know other birth workers is really helpful because sometimes stuff changes, especially with COVID, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you never know. For the last two years, it's been so back and forth of like, oh, two people are allowed in, three people, one person, no people. All, and it totally depends on your area. So as far as an emergency C-section goes, or any C-section for that matter, it's really up to the provider and the hospital and knowing their policies. And so that's one thing that we go over in the consultation with the client is like, hey, I know you're not planning on a C-section, but really quickly, let's talk about what that looks like if that does happen. And so we're talking about all of those things ahead of time so that if they do happen, they don't feel like they're slighted or that they got the short end of the stick or something like that. Like it's like, hey, this is what we talked about. So here's what we're going to do since you had a C-section and I wasn't allowed in. And a lot of times for us, that would look like a fresh 48 that we'd come back to the hospital and do, or I would come up, photograph everything right before and everything right after. And really that is so much of what people love about birth photography anyway. Yeah. So I think it's really all about determining what you as the photographer are going to do in those unexpected situations. And you taking the initiative to say, if you have a C-section, here's what we're going to do. And the client knows ahead of time what to expect. Yeah, I love that. I think there's a really a fear for many photographers working with hospitals and finding out what is allowed and what isn't allowed. So how, how would they go about finding what is permitted in their local hospital? Yeah, you can for sure call them, but sometimes you're going to get different answers depending on who you talk to. So I think the best thing to do would be one of two things. Number one, getting involved in your birth community, chatting with Mm. doulas and other birth workers who already kind of know the hospital policies and what is typical for different facilities, as well as chatting with your client or potential client and just saying like, hey, I'm actually unfamiliar with this hospital or this birth center. Do you know what they allow or can you ask your doctor what their photography or videography policy is? I kind of like the birth worker route myself because it's kind of like inside knowledge, but calling the hospital honestly is like number three on my list because it really just depends on who you talk to, what they're going to say. It's so true. It's like with nurses too, unfortunately. What's your plan? So say for example, you've got a client that's having a home birth and the ends in hospital. And I'm sure that that happens. Um, Mm -hmm. It's happened to a number of my clients from experience too. How do you pivot? I follow them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, are you getting in the car with them? Not typically. Typically, I'll jump in my car and just follow them to the hospital. And it kind of also depends on if it's like an emergency situation or if it's a precautionary situation. So I've had both happen to where it's like, drop what you're doing. We're going right now. Or I've also had it be like, hey, things aren't looking like we want. And so Mm -hmm. let's start making our way to the hospital. So those are two different situations. But whenever I possibly can, I'm following them wherever. So I don't pack up my gear. I have my camera around my neck, grab my stuff, follow them to the hospital and keep, I keep shooting. So what I really under, so I photographed literally one birth and that was for my business partner. And it was funny because after my son was born, I remember my husband laying down in the chair and I'm thinking like, what the hell, dude? Like, I just went all through all the work and you're sleeping? Well, after that situation, that scenario, I went back, like she had a beautiful, like almost 10 pound baby that she delivered in like under three hours. Like it was so fast. I went home and slept for like 17 hours straight. I was like, (laughs) 
<laughs> exhausted. So I had a new appreciation for what the partner goes through. So how do you mentally and physically and emotionally prepare yourself for what you go through as a birth photographer and like plan for your rest times too? Yeah, that's such a good question. Cause I think that protecting our energy as photographers, as business owners, like, especially if you also photograph portraits, yeah. like, what does that look like? How are you protecting your energy for, you know, your other clients? And I think that what oftentimes happens is those first five to 10 births are unique in that chances are this is the first time you've seen somebody else give birth. It's very emotional and rightly so. You get to a point in birth photography to where it becomes what you do. You know what I mean? Like the first time you photograph a newborn or the first five or 10 times, it's very (laughs) different than once you start to do it more frequently. Yeah. And so I think that not that the emotion leaves, but it just changes and you start to shift into like, I have a job to do here. I have a client to serve and I have something that I need to do. And it just becomes naturally, at least in my experience, less emotionally exhausting the more that you do it. It's the same kind of thing when photographers are like, how do you not cry at every single birth? Like, I just want to cry the entire time. It's so beautiful. And it's like, it is so beautiful. And I did cry for the first like five or 10 births the whole time. And then it starts to become like, okay, I have a client. I have a I have a mission. I have a goal that I'm accomplishing for that client. And it starts to not lose emotion. It just changes. You can almost, you almost detach a little bit from it. Mm -hmm. Cause I do, I have found that over cause I love my newborns, but there's some sessions where I'm like, I'm not like, this is my job. It's my job. And I know how to do it very well. And there's sometimes I'm just like, I look into this newborn's eye and I burst into tears. Like, so it's, it's so funny. It's so funny, but it's so true. Like in order to get through it, you do. You do have to sometimes emotionally detach a little bit in order to do our jobs. And it's the same too when there are outcomes that are different. So especially if it's an outcome that you experienced as a mom yourself. So like I'm a VBAC mom. VBACs are very near and dear to my heart. So whenever I have a VBAC mom, I'm always very protective of like her mental state. And like I don't want to say C-section to her because I know what that's like and like So it definitely hits me differently Mm -hmm. for moms that like have gone through what I have gone through. And not all births have the intended outcome like, oh, I'm planning on a VBAC and I end up with a repeat C-section or I'm planning on a vaginal birth and I end up with Mm -hmm. a C-section or whatever, home birth transfer. And I think that, again, we just have to go back to our responsibility as birth photographers, which is to tell the client's story, however that unfolds. And they're going to be so thankful, even with the change of plans, that they have these photos, maybe even more so, because it helps them process everything that happened. And so we have a really important job to show up as emotionally unattached as we can so that we can do a great job for our clients. Yeah, that's so true. I love that because I, I didn't really realize that, but you were so right. I'm an IVF mama. And so my IVF cl- cl- like clients are so near and dear to my heart. Like those are my people. So it's, it's, it's interesting. Like when you, when you work from experience, I love that. I love that you touched on that. Cause I actually hadn't thought about that. And I was like, oh my goodness, I do do that. Do you find that your like ideal client is an IVF family? Actually, I think so. Yeah. And yeah. I actually, I didn't even realize that, that, that like, because we just share our stories. I share what they've gone through. And I've, sh- I've shared like years of infertility and how thrilled and excited they are to be at that session and how present they are. And it is such a gift. And I love that so much. And so it's just a different experience for me in those sessions to connect with them too. And that's what I'm really passionate about. So 
I think you just found, I just figured out where I'm rebranding. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> well, you know, I can't help but talk about marketing. If I can I ever help it, I'm like, let's talk about marketing too. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I have to ask, what is the longest birth you've experienced? Oh, girl. <laughs> it's always my goal to be there. In active labor is what I tell my families. I'm like backing it way up for you <laughs> to be there in active labor. And so I had a client tell me she was planning a home birth. It was her first baby and she was seven centimeters. Contractions were coming every, I want to say three minutes lasting 45 seconds. So those are all things that I'm asking my clients because especially in a home birth situation, when you're not getting your cervix checked, it's like, okay, well, she, she was, but a lot of home birth clients don't. So you kind of have to go off of other signs that they're in active labor. So she, her, her contractions were close. They were long and I show up, she's seven centimeters. I'm like, cool. We're having this baby in the next few hours. I was there for 36 hours. <gasps> that, and I don't feel sorry for me. That I mean, like she was amazing. I'm sure <laughs> yes. she wouldn't want you to feel sorry for her. I just am also a mom who had really long labors. So I just yeah. empathize. So I was there for 36 hours and it was just one of those things that was unavoidable. I showed yeah. up in active labor. I wasn't there too early. She was just progressing like one centimeter every eight to 10 hours and pushed for like five hours. And so there are those outliers mm. that you kind of do everything right as far as when you go. And they just have a long, everything was fine. Everybody was healthy. She just had a big old baby. Yeah. And so how do you pivot and like let your family know and plan that you're just taking longer than expected? Like, how does everybody roll with that? Really well. Good. <laughs> Good. Really well. I just keep them updated, like, in the same way that my client would keep me updated. I say, mm. like, hey, she's eight centimeters now. Hey, she's yeah. 10 centimeters now, kind of a thing. And my husband would bounce between, like, dropping kids off with my mom or his mom or whoever else that we needed to when he would go to work. When he worked, he's a stay-at-home dad now. But when he was working, that's what would happen. Kids would just kind of bounce between people. So it's few and far between. Like those those real long ones do happen. But I would say the average is more like six hours that I'm there total. I love that. So uh, let's face it. There is some serious, horrible lighting in hospitals, especially ours. <laughs> so what advice do you have for getting around really bad lighting? Yeah, that is so <laughs> true. Speed light. And I know oh. that that is a little, it used to be controversial in birth yeah. photography to say that you would use a speed light. Now it's a little bit more widely accepted than mm -hmm. it used to be. But I always tell my clients, I want to be on the, a fly on the wall. Like I yeah. want to just capture everything as it's happening. I don't want to be in the way. I'm not going to speak unless spoken to kind of a thing. Like yeah. I, I don't want to be involved. Like I'm here to take photos, but then I'm busting out a flash, right? And it's like, yeah. okay, it's hard to be a fly on the wall when you're using a speed light. So I just have an extensive conversation with them where I just explain what my flash is like. It, it lights up the whole room. It's not a pop-up flash. It's not directly in your face. It's bounced off the wall. So it really just lights up the whole room. And I always tell them if at any point it bothers you, let me know and I'll stop using it. No one has ever asked me out of 150 births. No one has ever okay. asked me to stop using it. They don't care. <laughs> and I think that we as photographers, birth photographers, birth workers specifically think more about that than they do. So most of the time clients don't care. So I create my own light and I actually rarely use natural light. I pretty much rely on it for nice. the whole birth. Yeah, that's good. So I think there's also this fear of committing to a client and then missing the birth. So can you share how to plan and get over that fear and how you address that when maybe it happens? Yes. So 
it goes back to that in-person consultation before they give birth, really getting like a detailed history, labor history, when to call you. And I always call that my (laughs) you're not going to bother me meeting because I think that families sometimes feel like when they're updating me in early labor that they might be bothering me like, oh, it's not serious. I'm not going to text her or, oh, my contractions are only every five to 10 minutes. I'm not going to text her. So I always say you're not going to bother me. And I would rather have too much information than not enough. And so please don't feel like you can't text me. So I just reinforce that to them because the times that I have missed a birth, it's because the client has told me too late because they kind of were in labor denial and pushed it off and pushed it off until it was too late. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I ask the client for two hours to get to them from when they tell me to come to when I arrive. And so when I put it to them that way and I say, hey, when you say, Tavia, it's time to come, it's going to take me two hours, they start to realize like, okay, I really need to give her enough notice. And it happens. I I think out of 150 plus births, I've missed five to 10. Yeah. So it does happen usually just with a precipitous labor that's just super, super fast. And sometimes even the doctor doulas miss. And so in that case, I chat with them ahead of time and say, if on the off chance I miss your birth, I will come back and we'll do a fresh 48 session, get everybody meeting the baby, that kind of a thing. So again, communicating expectations, talking about all of the what ifs ahead of time. That way the client doesn't feel like they've lost out on anything if plans change. And I also don't give a refund if I miss the birth. So that's why we talk in detail Mm -hmm. about what that looks like. Yeah, I love that. Now, do you do also for your birth clients a fresh 48 as well? And how do you plan that? Rarely. So a lot of times we just will capture the kind of fresh 48 type things immediately after Mm -hmm. birth. But if they specifically want to add it on, we will. Something that we started doing during COVID, I don't know if I've told you about this, is coming home sessions. So we will meet the family at the hospital, follow them home, capture them, like bringing baby in, meeting grandparents, meeting siblings, like settling into the nursery. And that pivot came because of COVID. It was like, well, we can't get into the hospital. And so what else can we do to kind of give people the next best thing? And we created a session out of necessity, which was, coming home sessions. I love that so much. I love that so much. It's like what I wish there were more of was first step sessions, right? Like Like first one year old. Yeah. Instead of like a cake smash, like first steps, because it really happens like you kind of know what's going to happen within the next week, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that too. Mm -hmm. It'd be fun. So can you share your funniest birth story? Ooh, funniest. (laughs) I love gender surprises, like when they don't know the sex of the baby and they see for the first time, like those are always my favorite. I'm trying to think about funniest though. Or even like a like a sibling's reaction or... Oh man, sibling reactions. Okay, so my favorite moment is the I did it moment. Like when she sees her baby for the first time, that is my absolute favorite moment. And my second favorite is sibling reactions. Like the sibling seeing the baby, holding the baby, like the cute things that they do and say... That is my absolute favorite. Gosh, funniest moment. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I think that like gender surprises are so fun and getting other family members involved. One time I had a family who knew the sex of the baby themselves, but they weren't telling the parents, her parents, so the grandparents. And we got photos of like, she put a little pink hat on the baby and they came in and she took the blanket off and they saw the pink hat and like their reactions for the first oh. time, like that kind of stuff is just priceless. And it just yeah. like, I just want the world to know about birth photography yeah. so they don't miss out on those moments because there's yeah. such 
Like there's so few moments in life like that. And when you get to have professional photos of those so that you can truly relax and be in the moment and not have to worry about taking photos, it's just really unlike any other genre photography or moment in your life. It's so true. I remember uh, I did that with my, with Erin, my business partner, when her parents came in and like, they're both like tearing up. I'm like trying to like still shoot. Cause I'm like, I've never done this before. And oh, I was crying. They were crying. It was so beautiful. But it also reminds me is like whenever I go to the airport and you go to the arrivals, and I'm always I'm always there extra early. And for some reason, the plane is always late. People coming through arrivals that are so happy to each see each other. I sit there and I tr- I hold back tears every time I sit in arrivals. And it's like those moments that just hit your heart. Like, oh, if you can hire somebody to capture that. Yes, 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 yes. Birth photography for everyone. <laughs> yeah, and then you can be in the moment. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Like mm-hmm. your friend Erin, she didn't have to sit there and, okay, try mm-hmm. to fumble with her camera and get her parents meeting the baby. You know what I mean? Yeah. She just got to like sit there and yeah. really enjoy it and also have photos. Yeah. I love and that. Do you do video as well? Do you do video yeah. stories with that too? Isn't mm-hmm. it it's so powerful? It really is. And yeah. I didn't for a long time until I had a videographer at my daughter's birth. And I was like, okay, I have to start offering this because mm-hmm. photos are fantastic and video really just takes it to the next level to where you it's can unreal. hear the sounds and see the movement and all of that stuff. Yeah, it's just beautiful. So taking into consideration how birth photography will affect you emotionally, mentally, and physically, do you factor this into your pricing? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah and I and I wouldn't be able to give you a number. (laughs) It's more of the fact of like, how many can I take per month? Not only for the on-call time, but also for recovery time, like all the things that we've talked about. And so once you can set that number and know how much you need to make per month, that can help you start to figure out what to charge. But yeah, definitely your on-call time and the emotional side of it for sure Mm -hmm. need to be factors when you're putting out your pricing. And birth photographers tend to be so passionate that they just, and all photographers, that they just want to like do it for free or do it Mm -hmm. for $100. But whenever you can really take into account longevity and do you want to be doing this for a long time, you have to understand that after the first five or 10, it might wear off a little bit and you you need to be compensated well for those things that you're doing to not only yourself, but your family in sacrifice for somebody else. Well, I find it so fascinating because like there's an industry standard of wedding photography where it ranges upwards of two, three thousand, four, five thousand, up to like infinity really. Mm-hmm. Whereas birth photography, you're at something just as long, just as intense, and yet it's not look not typically viewed as something that wouldn't be in that same price range. So I'd love to talk a little bit about pricing yourself because there is so much that goes into it. So how can photographers start to figure out how to price themselves to be profitable and sustainable? Great question. What I did is I looked at how many clients, birth clients, can I take per month or even for the whole year? Because I like to take two months off call. So if you say, okay, I can take three clients per month with two months off call, that is 30 clients a year. Okay, well, how much money do I need to make not only in my business, but to pay myself as well, a good salary, I am a full time photographer doing that many births, right? So how much do I need to pay myself and my business? And once you have that number, you can just divide it by the number of births you're doing. Now, one thing to consider What we do is specialize in birth photography, and we have a process to upsell clients on maternity, newborn, baby plan sessions. So we look at births like the wedding. 
like the big event that they're hiring us for. And like a wedding photographer would then go on to upsell boudoir, engagement, Mm -hmm. those kind of things. It's similar for us as birth photographers. So then I can say, okay, what does my average client spend on those additional sessions? So now I know if I can make $5,000 on each client that starts as a birth client, that turns into a six-figure photography business with those 30 clients. So I kind of like to start with the end in mind. How many can I take? How many do I need to run a profitable business and kind of backtrack it that way? Yeah, I love that. So you ready for the lightning round? Oh, yes, I'm ready. Coffee or tea? Coffee, 100% coffee. Last series you binge watched. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You would ask me this. I hope that somebody out there has watched this show. We're currently binging Naked and Afraid. <gasps> it is my, f- it, we watch this so much that we, like my son, okay, when he was like eight, I had this prop bag and he came out wearing only the prop bag, mimicking Naked and Afraid. So, okay, I, am, I, I love you your, even more. <laughs> I am your people. <laughs> okay, great. And it makes I me so thankful for my bed, so grateful for food and that my is bed. so true. I feel so guilty when I'm like eating a snack while watching that show. I'm like, I'm so sorry that you're eating a bug, that yeah. the first meal you've had in f- 15 days. I'm so glad, Lisa, that you've watched that show because whenever we came across it, I was like, I don't know what this is, but I want to watch it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we watch an episode every single night. I love it. It is so good. It is yeah, I, we we love that. We we would download it and take it on our vacation and watch it huddled together on a laptop. Like yes. we loved it that much. I love it. So good. We're only in the first season, so I hear that it gets oh, better as it goes. It gets better. Yeah, you're in for it. I love it. Favorite book. I love reading the book Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. Have you read that one? I haven't. I've heard of it though. It is not a businessy book, but I kind of turn it into a businessy book because it applies to so much of your life. So that is a book that I have read more than once. I'm not a big fiction reader, so I love nonfiction and I would say digital minimalism. Love it. I can check it out. Favorite indulgence? I love candles. Mm. I love expensive candles. So I would say that would be an indulgence. Magnolia brand candles, to me, those are expensive. Like when I order them off of her website, I'm like, (laughs) this is expensive. But they smell so much better than the ones from Target. So Magnolia candles are my favorite indulgent. I love it. I actually, my husband has, I'm no longer allowed to use candles in my house because Uh I forget to blow them out. Like I am a fire hazard. (laughs) So what I got for Christmas was they had these like sets of LED candles. Like it was like a set of six for 40 bucks. I bought eight sets. They are all over my house now. And I I have them with my remotes. (laughs) And so so he's like, he's like, this is good because now you can't set the house on fire, but we go through so many batteries. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you have like a remote for it. I do. I will send you a picture. I love it. Like they're everywhere. They're everywhere. I love it. That's so good. I love it. Most exotic place you've ever traveled. Ooh, Bermuda. We went to Bermuda, which is just out in the middle of the ocean all by itself. But it is like the most beautiful beach I have ever seen. My husband and I traveled on little mopeds. This was pre-COVID. I don't know if their island is shut down or what, but little mopeds. We traveled around the island just exploring and it was such a fun adventure. I love that. That's fun. What do you wish more photographers knew? I wish more photographers knew that they can be full-time, that Mm. photography doesn't have to be a hobby, that if you want to go full-time with photography, that you can make real money doing something that you love. What lights up your soul? 
being outside, being outside mm. with my family, doing something adventurous. We love hiking. We love bike riding like new places. And my kids are all old enough now to do those things. And so I love being outside with my family, exploring new places. I love it. What's your go-to karaoke jam? Oh, <laughs> that's so funny that you ask this because it's totally shallow from A Star is Born. <gasps> Good one. Do you know that? <laughs> yes. 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 Uh, my daughter has I a would piano be there game. With you. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. My daughter has an iPad <laughs> piano game and she knows how much I love that song. So she like saved up her coins. And yesterday she was like, Mom, I bought you ca- uh, Shallow oh. on the iPad so you can play it. I know. Isn't oh, that so sweet? She knows I how much that. I love that song. <laughs> oh, I love that. So, where could our listeners learn more from you? Yeah. So I have a podcast called From Better Half to Boss Photography Podcast, where we talk all things birth photography, but also business and marketing and how you can go full time if that's something that you want to do and all about how I retired my husband from his nine to five with my photography business. Also on Instagram at underscore the BD and birth underscore. So I love to end my interviews with this last question. And it is what are you curious about or artistically curious about? Ooh, what am I curious about? I think I absolutely love learning about marketing. I know that sounds Mm -hmm. so lame, but I love data and learning like why our human brains make the choices that we make and like why we buy and why we don't buy and marketing persuasion techniques and like copy and messaging. I could literally geek out on that stuff for forever. And so I, I love business and marketing like a giant dork. Me too. Have you read hooked or no? Okay. You need to get hooked and story brand. Yes, I have read story brand. I'm writing down hooked. And I think there's another one called, I think it's Contagious. By Jonas something? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, I read that a few yeah. years ago, but I could definitely read it again. Yeah, I have a, I have two hobbies. One is reading books, and I get about 100 pages in, and then I pick up a new one. And the other one is buying books. So I love books. <laughs> I am with you on that. And I think that we need to just start giving ourselves permission to, like, jump around in books. Like, hey, Lisa, Tavia, it's okay if you don't read yeah. the full thing. Like, it's okay. Yeah, you can come back to it anytime. You don't totally. have to finish. It's yep. like, you know what? You don't have to finish everything on your plate and you don't have to finish a book. It's fine. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I want to, can I ask you, Lisa, what's something yeah. you wish more photographers knew? <sighs> There's not one way to run a business. It's what aligns with you, what feels right for you and that it's okay to go your own way. Yeah. That would be my advice. I love it. Thanks for asking that. No one's ever done that. I like wanted to ask you all of these, but that would have been a little obnoxious. But I have you ever answered all the lightning round questions yourself? Um, I don't think I have. Oh, yeah. you have to do that sometime. I want to hear sometime. your answers. I love it. Well, thank you for joining me today. This has just been such a fun time chatting with you. Thanks so much, Lisa, for having me. It's been a blast. Oh, my friends, I loved that conversation so much. So if you are interested in getting started with birth photography, I will make sure that we know where to send you to go find Tavia. I am sending you so much of my light and my love today and every single day. Thanks for showing up and we will see you next time.